0: Welcome everybody to another exciting episode of Learning with Bell Vista Studios. This is a space where my team and I invite people that we're curious about because we see them doing different things, thinking about the world differently, they're exploring stuff and we're very curious about it. So we create this space to go, hey, teach us or like let us dig deeper and just understand your mind and what you're experimenting with in the world. My guest today is a... I'll call you a peer from, uh, we have a common like interest. We're part of a group that's around futures thinking and some of the stuff that Serena, my guest has brought up. I'm like, I love her thinking. So yeah, she's in the space of strategy which I personally love um, playing in that kind of change strategist foresight practitioner. And that foresight stuff is the real futures thinking that we're in this kind of community group together. Um, And what I love about that is it's the problem solving aspect and we're really big on human centered design and I wanted to learn more like questions to ask and get activities to be able to do that. What I see value in is that you've got great experience and different ways in terms of like facilitation, human centered design stuff and that future foresight stuff. So that's where our audience should be getting very excited and taking out their notebooks now because I feel like we're going to be in for a real treat about learning from Serena today. So thank you for being here. Very, very stoked to have you. Thank you, Kim. First question. Mm -hmm. We are thinking about like problem solving and curiosity. What are the problems that you're curious about at the Mm. moment?
1: Yes. Um, So... Personally and professionally, um, I have been thinking a lot about creativity and, um, I have always had a lot of angst about, like, my own creative practice. Mm. So, um, last year, I actually went through a full year of um, group coaching, where I really dove into how can I really bring the fullest creative expression of myself um, for the sake of uh, a more flourishing world in Mm. many ways. And so, um, and a lot of my day-to-day work, whether it's uh, running um, a creative ideation session or uh, finding a really interesting signal of change and sharing that with my colleagues, um, I think I'm always really wanting to see what that spark could become and, um, and chase that. And also see what um, when people come together uh, those collaborative moments, what that could bring. That's cool.
0: You know, can you explain what a an example of a signal of change and how it might have like, what has it turned into or where might this lead us to?
1: Yeah, I feel like in terms of so I've been working quite a bit in the future of work space. Um and obviously there's the obvious uh oh quiet quitting TikToks and um Uh, people feeling burned out. But I feel like what is most interesting actually is when we also look at uh, what is happening in the Web3 space, when we're looking at um, the creator economy evolving uh, thanks to the technology of crypto and blockchain, like really how can creators be more empowered? And we're seeing more also... um, actually the most interesting signal here is that I found um, uh, the first decentralized talent network called RainTrust. So Mm -hmm. um, they are a network um, where people could find freelance jobs. Um, So maybe I am um, a a coder or I'm a designer and I could get matched with projects um, with Nike or um, with uh, other kind of big companies or big brands, mm. um, and how it's also decentralized is that they, um, when you are brought into the network, the person who brings you in will get rewarded with what they call the B trust token. Or when you peer review someone else's works and vet them to become part of the network, you also can receive a B trust token. And this token um, is like. It's not how you're paid. You're still paid in uh, dollars or whatever monetary currency. Uh, But this token can enable you to... make a vote on decisions vote on governance type of decisions like different proposals so recently they actually expanded uh to help people find full-time jobs because that was a proposal that was brought forth and all the token holders decided that would be the case so i thought that was such an interesting um signal for how um there could be more ownership type of networks or at least more um, employee engagement or participation in decision-making. So, Mm. yeah.
0: Wow. So if you're playing in the space of future of work, how do you, has that signal of change and what you're seeing there, like, are you extending that into your strategy and what it might look like?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, recently we, I've been partnering with Cindy Augustine, who is our uh, chief talent officer of McCann World Group, which is a, a global marketing services network. And we've been running a series of workshops to really explore these different types of signals of change like the web 3 one was an example obviously a lot of interesting statistics around burnout and whatnot in culture or four day, four day work weeks we also looked at different signals around like conscious inclusion or like um, different kind of uh, career mobility types of programs or um, or there's like a an education program called super high that is ex- experimented with a basic income for traders and things mm. like that. So we, we really explored um, all that in, um, in, in coming up with a, a future ready um employee value proposition or people value proposition Um, and to bring that to life we um, we looked at like three different types of scenarios Mm. Um, and uh, one of them is a more of a transformative future uh, which I think I started kind of speaking to a bit where it's um, in 10 years like consumers would be more creator entrepreneurs and there would be a blurry line between people who produce the content and people who consume the content. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that kind of future, if we're even thinking about how we could kind of get there or like how can the organization start kind of experimenting in that way, um, um, we're definitely thinking about the ways uh, remuneration could work. Um, We're thinking about how the boundaries between an employee and a freelancer is actually blurring in some ways, mm. people within your organization and outside there. I think there's just more fluidity. Um, and um, uh, and I think how we think about the formation of communities within organizations, I feel like they tend to be quite top down. It's like, oh, all these senior leaders who are in, uh, in this discipline of strategy will have a group or the creatives will have a group but Mm -hmm. um are there more emergent ways for communities to form based on um interests or different uh trends that are coming up for example Mm -hmm. we, we just uh uh, we now, my, my team um, helps facilitate a metaverse and a Web three kind of community, and that's one of the most active uh, chats I've ever seen. Wow. Um, yeah, so I feel like there are different ways to kind of come in and look at, like, or oh, start experimenting and seeing what can be emergent.
0: Mm. What specific activities do you find are your kind of go to or the most effective when you're trying to explore that emerging future?
1: Yeah, so um, a lot of the work that I do is like we might have a grander vision, but mm-hmm. we want to um, uh, not just build the full concept car, but like do the skateboard first. Like, what is the minimal thing that you could do? And we could apply this kind of concept, minimum viable product from yep. product design into organizational change. Uh, design and think of um, interesting experiments or pilots that you could try out maybe with one team or a couple of teams so you could get different types of learnings um, and then uh, seeing how that could uh, go. And um, and I think sometimes it's nice, oh, you, you we are a global company, so we could run something uh, in the US and also in Tokyo and China because those markets are also very, very different. So if you mm. could see how, um, Uh, you could learn from? uh, Are there like crossover things that that we could kind of share more broadly? Or how do you account for the different nuances and let the local markets also Mm. have different takes on um, achieving the same thing? So, uh, so lots of different kind of pilots and experimentation. And, and I think, um, I think it's like, almost uh, um, everyone is now ex- like the, is experimenting or like using design thinking. But I think the part about capturing learnings is, is sometimes where we could fall short and even mm-hmm. in our work, that could be hard. So it's how do you intentionally make sure that um, either you, you keep a learnings bank and you make sure that in your status, you are reviewing that or yeah. there are intentional moments where you are really sharing that knowledge. Um, uh, so that everyone can benefit
0: yeah what that i love the i'm really big on the intentional something do yeah. you find that you know when you're running these kind of workshops and stuff you can get really excited especially mm-hmm. as the designer of the workshop or the designer of the strategy how do you hold yourself accountable for that mm-hmm. activity to
1: be intentional for the problem yeah. you're trying to solve yeah um yeah, I feel like it, you get a, such a high as a facilitator sometimes. <laughs> you, you create a set of workshops you're bringing together. You're really feeding off of the energy. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times people are like, oh, yay, I feel so inspired. And then that kind of drops off. And so like, how do you have that follow through uh, is super important. Um, mm. And um, so, so I think that's why I feel like a skill set in, like the facilitation and um ideation and design thinking needs to be matched with like uh being able to uh know how to influence and know how to create like these change through influence. Mm. And um so um I would say that like a lot of times when you're in a workshop you get excited by the new idea. Mm-hmm. And then you don't quite account for the transition that like, when you are bringing you, a small group of people has this idea, would have this idea, and then you're trying to convince other people who were not maybe a part of the process, or yes. they are still, like, they are actually very, very successful in the ways that they've been doing something. So um, I think it's like, how do you account for actually the grief that, the the moment of transition that there could be like maybe there needs to be a ritual or there there needs to be a moment to acknowledge that uh what we were doing worked really really well like celebrating like how it worked really really well yeah. um and uh but now like there is uh, gonna be something that we need to work towards that's different so it could be like bringing people along the process of the ideation and Mm -hmm. having them as like the advocates for their different communities um or how do you um uh kind of take some things off of people's plates and say that like you don't have to do this anymore and we're going to introduce this new thing that could actually make your job more uh like easier than before Mm. or maybe it could be like it will be a more fun thing because Mm. we now say have a new technology that could actually make the process more fun or a new um, whatever kind of behavior change solution as well so um, kind of also knowing who the stakeholders are and what they would be motivated by can then help you see like how you can communicate that idea whether it's saying that it'll make their lives easier, it could make them look better, or like, mm-hmm. uh, um, or that they would actually achieve more impact if they could do that way, um, so it really depends on um, the, 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 the kind of levers uh, and the people who would be um, the uh, most important to kind of influence and in uh, within the bigger chain.
0: Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I definitely think it's like what's in it for them as an individual Um, and, yeah, the part that they play. Yeah. When, if we try to think about, like, some of the stuff you're doing is like 10 years in the future and we're in that, like, yes, we're sold and the stakeholders, you've got their buy-in and then it's like six months later. What kind of strategies can we make sure that we're helping that integrate? into the journey of that 10-year journey or remembering like we made these commitments let's not fold in fall back into our old ways of working Mm. and Mm. any tips
1: yeah I feel like it is um, a lot of times the people uh, the leaders I I work with they are so excellent at what they're doing on the Mm day-to-day and they have deep expertise um, in what they're doing they're they could be running an o- at like one of our offices or at the markets or yeah. um, running a deep function but they're so um, embroiled in the day-to-day they have so many fires to put out there's so many mm-hmm. problems to solve that feel so urgent and immediate mm-hmm. so actually giving them the space to open up the thinking and be able to imagine 10 years out it feels very freeing and um, I think our shared uh, heroine, Jane McGonigal, kind mm-hmm. of talks about this notion of uh, time spaciousness. When yes. you allow people to have um, ha- to be able to make change within a 10year scale, then actually they could become more imaginative and more creative in the kind of solutions that they do come up with. Mm. And so um, so once they are kind of at that state, we get to, feeling very excited about things, then um, we tend to, when we, then we need to kind of ground into then the realities in some ways. And I feel like, The notion of backcasting, which uh, Bob Johansson at the Institute for the Future kind of speaks to, is super helpful. So once you, and he actually talks about how it's easier sometimes to think 10 years out than to think more immediate. Mm. So once you have that kind of 10-year mark, then you can backcast from like, say, um, 20 like your preferred future in 2032 is X, Y, Z. And yeah. then what is the predicate to get there? Like, what is the year before? What do you have to do the year before in order to get there? And the year before that, and then you kind of work your way towards like today and yeah. uh, making sure what you come up with today is one of those minimum viable products that the the easy to do kind of pilots um, and then uh, hopefully you'll have some amazing uh, success stories, and then other people would want to join in and do what you're doing, and then have that kind of plant those seeds, and then mm. the, um, the change can happen in a more emergent way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I
0: see that working as well um, in the work that we're doing. Do you find that with that, you're encouraging them to align it to something like a, uh, the, organizational strategy in that or the so it is linked and then they kind of have to prioritize it as well is it part of that sort of future planning
1: yeah i think it's um from the get-go like how you cast who is in the Mm -hmm. ideation workshops is important um that they feel involved uh the important stakeholders feel involved in the process and involved in creating Mm -hmm. um the solutions and they don't have to be in the very, very beginning, it could be that you have, um, you have some people um, in the beginning, and then you bring in different people at different points uh, um, and uh, allow them to um, react to certain uh, uh, things you've already come up with and provide their contributions and then you integrate it. And I think a uh, another skill that a facilitator has is like the uh, power of synthesis. So mm. it's like, how do you keep, um, uh, keep kind of all the different parts in play and um, be able to um, connect the dots and help people connect the dots? And mm. um, yeah.
0: There's actually, there's a really nice testimonial on your LinkedIn account around your ability to do that
1: and it Mm -hmm. says that
0: you can take a really uh complex problem internalize it and spit it out very simply uh Mm -hmm. are you able to uh, figure out what that process that goes on
1: in your mind is do you know what it Um, is it does feel like to me it feels a little bit intuitive in a way but i think um um, I think what happens is I I'm also a very curiosity-driven person like you are, mm. so I think I I start kind of, um, like I kind of uh, when I'm listening, um, in a workshop setting and people are saying different things, yep. I could like catch on to what really makes me most excited and mm. uh, and be able to start and then I would just like jot down these like key pieces and kind Mm of whether it's on a mirror board or on physical post it notes and then I'll start kind of tracking for like what are the subsequent people saying and do they kind of fall into those buckets or maybe there's something new that they're saying and I could add to that mix. So kind of being able to um, both like listen for the details but keeping kind of like what is starting to emerge that is really interesting Mm -hmm. is I think how the what is happening in the brain or the processing or the synthesizing in real time. Yeah. Um, If that's helpful. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, that is good. And it, it makes me think I'm similar. And I think I'm, when you're looking and you're kind of documenting, you're like, is this valuable or not? And sometimes you're not sure, but it is about noting it all down. And then Mm -hmm. when it comes to like, oh, my God, there's everything. And now what do I do next? The question that I ask myself is like, what is the problem I'm trying to solve right now? And Mm. then that's what I kind of can link into. Okay, well, these the immediate problem is this. And that's important for that. Those things are important, but maybe they're for. I don't know another initiative or some other time in the future but it's important that I've linked it so Mm. that's the thing that helps me kind of not get overwhelmed I guess yeah
1: yeah totally I think I used to kind of fall into like taking too many notes and then Mm. like getting kind of mired or uh, actually like I I feel like earlier in my career or I, I started Um, noticing that sometimes I would like zone out (laughs) in certain (laughs) sessions and then I was like oh shoot like then I realized that I have the power to change that I don't actually have to be bored by the situation and if Mm. I'm bored it's actually a huge signal that like the meeting is not going well and that it's it's um it's where I could like Insert myself and like shift things, or and that was even before I think I I started developing the skill of a facilitator, or those yeah. were the earlier days. Yeah. Um. So actually, like my like my boredom it's like kind of a huge signal for me that like something is not quite going well, or it's dragging too long, and I have to kind of like gently like move the conversation into a new area, or close that, or like put that yeah. in the later column I will address that later column um so yeah
0: yeah (laughs) that's cool I I don't zone out because I'm very like it's all intentional I'm like I know what I'm in there to get kind of thing (laughs) but um, I do I, that whole like, okay, it's time to park this and move on moment. So yeah. I set it up at the beginning and I'm kind of like, it's going to feel chaotic to you. And there's probably a point where I'm just going to cut you off. We're going to move on <laughs> Just trust <laughs> yeah. the process. So I'm setting them up when they're like, and this, and then I'm like, ah, yes, no, I don't say like, not useful, <laughs> but like when they've kind of finished and I'm like, okay, we're going to move on. Like, yeah. at least they know it's not just like what the hell it's like I've set that yeah. expectation that we're yeah. <laughs> gonna be jumping around but it makes sense in here and the outcome yes. we're trying to achieve
1: <laughs> yes lovely
0: yeah <laughs> um I know you one of the projects that you worked on was around you co-led training for your company-wide mm-hmm. day for meaning you mm-hmm. want to tell us about the problem that it was trying to solve just to set the scene? Yeah,
1: yeah. so Day for Meaning um, is an initiative started by our diversity, equity and inclusion team led by um, Singleton Beato, who is amazing and um, a few years ago, the company decided that they would, uh, for one day a year, um, close down our operations. Uh, mm. So we won't be servicing clients on that day yeah. and really have, uh, back to intentionality, have an intentional day to, um, reflect on, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Mm. And, um, uh, and what are some of the uh, not less so of the programmatic changes than like, how can we um, come up with behavior change that could really affect the day to day experience of uh, people working at the agency? Um, so um, each year there's a, a different theme and there's um, a different theme. Uh, um focus so mm. the first year was around uh, belonging um the next year um was about uh connection and mm. this year is uh, going to be around shared purpose so um the whole company uh focuses on the different stimuli that the core team provides and we have different uh breakout discussions we come up with new actions um, and uh, and that we could then implement and try out in our day-to-day so yes that's really cool well
0: one thing i'd love to know is um it can be very like you know diversity and inclusion is it's kind of it can be done well or it can just be like we have this initiative we've ticked the box now we've done it so what makes it more you know kind of come from a place of compassion and impact Mm. as an organization
1: Mm. Mm. I would say um, one of the most impactful solutions that I uh, saw that um I think ends up having a lot of um enables a lot of empathy um, Mm. is that uh, our strategic process used to be called uh, five Cs. So uh, we would go, when we do the initial kind of like landscape kind of analysis, what is the environment like for the problem we're solving? We would look at uh, different trends around culture, um, around uh, the uh, category, so the competitor of the client, Uh, we would look at the consumer that they are focused on. Uh, we also look at the company, um, itself and, um, how the different parts kind of come together in Mm -hmm. connections. Um, and after the first day for meaning, um, I believe it was maybe our Australia office, one of our offices came up with the idea of adding an additional C that they called conscious inclusion. Mm. Uh, So really being intentional um, about like, even in the very initial understanding of the problem space, you are really looking at, are there biases? um, Are there underrepresented groups that are currently overlooked? and, um, and so that is, um, that, that is so core to the day-to-day of like any client projects we would take yeah. on. So I feel like it's so, so impactful. Um, and, um, that actually led to, um, one of our clients, reckitt um, Wreck-It, um, uh, in the U.S., they make Lysol cleaning wipes. There, um, really? uh, yeah. So they make uh, Detol, like mm-hmm. some of those type yep. of products. And um, but one of the um, uh, in their pain category, because of conscious inclusion, they they then realize that Black women of color, their pain is not taken seriously by doctors as much as um, like, if you're non-Black and non-women. So um, so that insight really um, changed their strategy into kind of thinking about um, how they are um, like marketing the product and being like, being intentional about like, this is actually a huge problem that Black mm. women's pain is not being taken seriously, um, that there's a, an assumption that they could take more pain than other people and it's a totally racist uh, 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 thought. So mm. um, so I feel like that is also a way um, for the team to develop empathy um, for uh, the, uh, the people we serve. Mm. Is it mm-hmm.
0: so with conscious inclusion, is it almost mm-hmm. like you have a set of questions that people use to consider and at least empathize? Or what does it look like if you're doing a campaign or you're doing a workshop, whatever it is?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely looking at um, different questions that can help you uncover um, biases, uncover yeah. what historically underrepresented groups um, uh their experiences um, or the lack of focus in their needs. So um, that could then enable us to then have an opportunity to address Mm. some of the legacy challenges and um, uh, yes.
0: Yeah. So it's almost like you just create the space, even at a simple level, you're doing a persona and it's asking about what are their current experiences, to do with this potentially you're going out and having a look at what are the perceptions or the stereotypes around this mm-hmm. individual this community group and yeah. even just doing a google search so it's it's just yeah. that space to consider them in the first place to yeah.
1: or or maybe like we we weren't even considering that group before mm. yeah. like are there groups that we ha- we didn't mm. ever effortfully or like intentionally like included in our process
0: yes That's really Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Are there any
0: frameworks or tools that you're loving at the moment?
1: Mm. Uh, I think at this point, I have to like talk about a lot of the amazing um, future foresight Mm -hmm. uh, type of tools. Uh, I've been using them a lot in the strategic process. and one of them is uh, Jane, um, game designer, Jane McGonagall's game called 100 Ways Anything Could Be Different. Mm-hmm. I used that um, as a warm warmup uh, for one of the sessions we did for um, our talent strategy um, ideation group. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were still in the initial stage of like, at that point, understanding the context yeah. and the environment we were in. Um, And we were looking at what is the future of creative talent or the future of creators. Mm. And so um, we divided into different groups. And I also invited amazing external experts um, in different areas. And so uh, one group was kind of thinking about the future of learning. One group was thinking about the future of productivity or how work is measured. Another group is thinking about the future of recruiting. Um, One, uh, the fourth group was thinking about the future of how work is organized and -hmm. what they had to do uh, was like list as many basic facts about the topic as they could Uh, like simple simple kind of uh things like um for learning the mastery of creative skills take many many years Mm -hmm. and then they had to then flip that fact and rewrite that fact and provide an explanation. So maybe the mastery of creative skills only take days. And Mm -hmm. so what could the explanation for that be? It could be that we have um, uh, like AI tools like Midjourney or Dali, and uh, you may not need to be an amazing illustrator and like hone your craft for years, but that you could like Uh, write a prompt and have that generate an image. And so it might just take you a few days to get used to using and creating those prompts, and you would be able to then um, have some amazing illustrations to support Mm. you, whatever point you're making, right? So, So I feel like this exercise of like, just flipping certain facts that seem like, so unchangeable, yeah. And, and the flip back could, could be so improbable, but then you could like either Google and see what are there like explanations for this kind of strange yeah. idea. And then you would start actually tracking and finding that uh, there is evidence for that. There's already signals of change that could explain this kind of strange new feature and mm-hmm. how that could happen and and, um, yeah so I really enjoy that game as like a way to an easy way for anyone to kind of play and um, in a non-stressful way because you could then use Google and see see what kind of comes comes back up and and that could already open up their minds and really prime people's brains for like I could actually think about and stretch my thinking in ways I that wouldn't be bogged down by like constraints that I thought were yeah um, existing
0: yes and I think that is the key thing is like when we're trying to create change and impact it is around like getting people out of their current mindset and I believe like something like that is so good because it's even like what do we believe to be true right now and asking those kinds of questions documenting it and then saying OK, well, what's the complete opposite of that right now? And even anytime like the group, the future origin optimist group that we're in, uh, there's been the wackiest things that I have never even like conceived in my brain ever. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, what about that? And there is always there has never been anything that has not been already explored in some way that we mm-hmm. find on Google. And that just fascinates me. So that's yes. pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah totally and I love what you said about um there are certain things would believe to be true but that they mm. could also be opportunities for change because there's one other exercise that I was trying out called transformation mm. Jenga, and this okay. is a tool that I found um on sy partners site they have a really cool tool set and um This is usually uh, helping find out what is most essential to a company. And then, so you will get people to list out what are the essential or fundamental qualities of the company. Yeah. Um, And uh, for us, we were using that for our talent strategy. So there are certain values that we hold dear, like bravery, integrity, um, or like if we think about it more broadly, it could be your D and I commitment. Or uh, we work in an integrated fashion uh, across different disciplines. It could be our innovation capability. So Mm. you could like write down those things. And then you do the second step where you actually judge each thing that you're writing Mm. and really like decide, is this actually essential or is it non-essential? And non-essential doesn't mean that it's like, oh, this is just not important, but it just suggests that it may not be a defining characteristic. And Mm. once you cross that out, then you can like see, oh, actually the things that are crossed out are actually opportunities for innovation, things that we could change that um, would make us actually more unique if we actually really like this thing. Or uh, it could actually be things that you want to leave behind because that's no longer maybe... Uh, aligned with the new kind of vision that you have and you just always leave some things behind in order to make space for the new Um, so I thought that that's such a smart kind of exercise to really consider what is really the seeds of your purpose versus oh there are some opportunities for innovation
0: love it that's so cool By the way, for the people listening, I am documenting all these like activities and stuff. So they'll be in the description so you can go explore them for yourselves Mm -hmm. as well. Any other tools or resources that you're loving at the moment? Finding useful?
1: Yeah, um, there are so many. Um, Is there an area that you think would be most Mm. helpful?
0: I'm going to say, uh, I think we've talked a lot about mindset. So let's think around uh bringing siloed teams together Mm. to work together on something Mm.
1: oof yeah that's that's a biggie yeah uh i think a lot of times the experience of it is gonna change things and you could do all the talk about how it would be great and um and there are definitely structural barriers that you would probably have to, especially I think in big corporate <laughs> environments that you have mm-hmm. to then enable that people are not. Um, I think it's actually something that we do really quite well in the can work group, mm-hmm. where we are very generous. Um I had worked at previous companies where it's like not as um Or I've heard also different stories where people would be like, oh, I need to get certain permissions or like, oh, I have to find the right job code for this before I could do this. But Mm. here it's actually quite easy. Um, And I think you are um, also trying to find the most passionate people Mm. in those different silos and they're... And I think a lot of times you will be able to find people who are actually as excited about the thing that you want to be doing. And they might actually be like, oh, there are no, other, no one else who is excited. I'm just mm-hmm. this lone penguin working on this. <laughs> and and then you like find all your penguins and then, and then you're like, oh, like, could we actually just try doing something together? And uh, and it could be for us, like for us, we're a client services company. So it's like, there's a project that we could actually bring mm. like different um, creative minds together. And they might have different kind of areas of expertise, whether it's mm. they are a VR expert or they are um, a copywriter or they are excellent in campaigns or they are more like a creative technologist mm. and like being able to then bring them together. And um, we we've gotten quite good during the pandemic and running these two hour hacks, just using Miro boards. Yep. And, um, and then they realize, Oh, when we are together, we can, and we're in like breakout groups and talking about things and coming back together and sharing mm-hmm. ideas that can actually spark so much that, um, that could like expedite, like the process we were working with, um, a, a healthcare uh, related team uh, during the pandemic. And they were like, wow, you just sped up my process and in, uh, in, from a very traditional kind of yes. campaign kind of work to like more digital and innovation work. And um, just by a two hour hack, you sped it up by the work stream by four to five weeks mm. so I think uh, finding opportunities and say like it's like a low commitment thing it's just two hours out of your day yes. let's just come together and try something and then uh, you know like as an amazing facilitator you'd be able to get some amazing gold nuggets out of that and yeah. uh, and be able to demonstrate like well we can actually come up with something and then use the influencing techniques to yes. then be able to follow through to um, sell into the client or convince the important stakeholders to do uh, what the next steps would be.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think for people listening, just you've communicated an excellent process, actually. We've just spoken about it in a, almost the revo- reverse order. Mm-hmm. But if I just summarize it quickly, it's just around who are the people? Sorry, what's the problem I'm trying to solve? Who are the people that will help us solve that problem? Mm-hmm. What do they care about? such as I'm going to speed up your process from five weeks to one week if you just give me two hours of your time. So speak to them. They will see the value in being there. Use some of the activities to reveal uh, ideas and things to explore. Then it's around choosing, prioritizing them, and then integrating them into the workflow or the strategy or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oof. You see, this is the power of synthesis. You just did that.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I, I think the prioritizing and integrating the workflow is like, mm. it's like sometimes the non-sexy thing, like, because we're, I think we're always so excited about the initial ideation and all of that. So yeah. um, sometimes we come up with so many ideas and we don't know actually how to prioritize what will give me some wins at Mm -hmm. something that's demonstrable so that you can do like all the other ones or the the bigger ones. And uh, the integrating the workflow also is that um, I think sometimes we create all the new things, but it's not fitting into some of the day-to-day. So they kind of mm-hmm. like get put to the wayside. So like, are there things that you could already integrate into the day-to-day process yes. that could change things? And then there are, there are obviously, I think, moments where you would then need to like set aside that this is a new new thing and then have, uh, have a team or like carve out the space for that.
0: Mm.
1: Yep. And I think it's also like
0: utilizing... the the working group strengths or the people's strengths. Like for me, I'm really, I'm good at that ideation facilitation sort of stuff. But when it comes to the detail, like I can, I know how to do the prioritization exercise. And then I'm like, don't make me execute on it. However, I've got a teammate, Hannah, who is so detail orientated and she gets a sense of achievement from getting into the detail. And she is so good at doing that, you know, like, and every little thing that she's knocking off the task list is helping us progress I'm just not part of that part so it's almost like where do you pull in certain talent utilize them along that kind of life cycle of the journey
1: I love that and I think at that point it's like your best friend is the project manager and I, I definitely have I have, I have that best friend too
0: Yay. <laughs> uh, that talks about my other team member Victoria it went I know she never listens to these because she hates <laughs> like hearing herself and seeing herself on camera but I'll let her know that she got a special shout out because she's an excellent yes. project manager so yeah wow okay I I have loved this conversation I feel like I could definitely continue on but I feel it's a, a very nice space to end it for our listeners and there's yeah. a lot to take away and to execute on and what I love is like we're in the learning and development space you're in like marketing and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff but the synergy is just it, we could be we're doing the same thing and I just think mm-hmm. that's so beautifully reflected here so I would just encourage our community to like learn from the world around you like it's it we're problem solving and making humanity a better place through our work Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there's other industries out there actually which brings me back to one last question yes which was around when you said you took your year of like what is Mm -hmm. my creative self-expression and the impact I want to have on the world do you know what that is now
1: I think it's actually the, a lot of the um, work and facilitation and, uh, but what I really discovered in that year is that, um, especially when you are doing corporate work, it's so much about your analytical thinking mind. And my coach is a somatics leadership coach and she really helped me bring me back to my body. So actually when I facilitate now, I actually stand up versus Mm. like in the virtual environment. It's so you're so used to just sitting down but like actually how movement actually like physical movement can actually get the creative juices flowing. Mm. And so there are times where I ask people to actually stand up and we do like a quick dance to a Beyonce song or something like that, or, or like, um, or it could be just like simple, like stretching or, I learned from Strozzi Institute, there's like a centering practice where you're centering in length, which is like mm. a, a line of dignity in your width, which is mm. um, an access for like connection. So how you give and receive and also the access of time, which is like what's, um, we don't often even think of our backs <laughs> because we're so frontal, yeah. but like what are your supports? Like what uh, what are your um your history your ancestors like uh who has your back to like really feeling your insides and then like like looking forward Mm. and then the the last part is like centering in like purpose and intention and like why why um why do you do this work or like Mm. who do you love what do you care about and um and I think for me it's that um it's that kind of creative expression for the sake of um, a flourishing world for the sake of uh, more connection and connection to people um, and also nature, the environment mm. and uh, um, and the universe. I have a spiritual side to me as well. Yeah. So I think it's like that, um, all of that kind of coming together. That's cool. Well, I
0: would encourage people just to kind of, uh like observe you and the passion that has come through today because Mm. it sounds like you know when you're describing it you're living that and what Mm. I would just encourage people you're a you're a role model for when you prioritize to figure Mm. out what your soul is about or your purpose Mm. or whatever you can have it and Mm -hmm. you can go out there and that's where it doesn't feel like work and you're you know, doing things that give you purpose every day and meaning and all that sort of stuff. So I think that seems to have nicely integrated it, even though you might have been in the industry already, you just probably like honed it in a little bit. Um, yeah. The one question I had, though, was when you did that, was there a particular activity that helped go like the penny dropped and it was like, oh, my mm. God, that's the thing for me.
1: Yeah, I think the penny drop is probably different for uh, different people. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was uh, rediscovering dance. And uh, Mm -hmm. my coach, Leanne Mallory, um, uh, who wrote a book called Guts and Grace, uh, she's an amazing executive coach. Um, She also has a conscious dance um, uh, background. And... um, and certification and experience and practice and so in my year of working with her I have had many experiences in in being in group retreats and group settings and yep. um and and dancing in a way that I haven't done in a long time mm. and uh when I was little I did more performance-based stuff like the ballet the mm. uh those types of performative things but then that dancing could actually be just bringing you back to your own sensations and your own body and like you're tapping back into how you feel and your emotions and uh, and also at the same time, just being more connected to what is surrounding you and um, and the, the world that you live in. So that was a huge penny drop moment for me. And that's how um, actually uh, what I do before every facilitation is like I always like do a little <laughs> dance myself. Yeah. And, and uh, and, I, and that lead in music then usually starts the, the actual yep. session. So that's my little um, ritual.
0: That's cool. Did you do a dance <laughs> before? recording with me today I didn't
1: do that today oh, maybe that could, have, that could have been better
0: oh my god we could have got better from you wow I well, know. number two episode um but, I think yeah. that's beautiful because that reflects myself as well like I always think when I was a little girl what were my passions what was I curious about and I've really reintegrated all of that stuff back into my life and like mm. I'm just I'm very grateful and living with purpose and all mm-hmm. that happy so another like self-exercise for our like I think it's evident in the two of us is go visit your little mini version you of like yeah. under 10 and then get that stuff back into your life
1: yes I did I the first time I met Kim I saw skateboards and or like mm.
0: surfboards skateboards in the background skateboards, yeah yeah
1: skateboards yeah
0: which I'm doing after this because I'm like <laughs> I need that right now yeah. like I need that little soul filled so yeah beautiful yeah. Okay. Thank you, Serena. Incredible discussion. I am like, oh, big smiles, obviously. (laughs) Like this has been very, I'm grateful, very selfish for me because it's filled my cup, but I know that our listeners would have got a lot of value. And I encourage people to look at the resources you'll be able to connect with Serena and follow all the amazing things that she's up to. And please share it with people that it will add value because I think conversations like this do change the world. They make it a better place. So encourage the more you share it, someone else has that epiphany moment for themselves they're a better human being and then they have a better impact through their interactions or the work that they do as well so thank you always for choosing to learn with us at Bell Vista Studios and thank you to our incredible guest Serena thank you thank you everyone what's up awesome human thank you thank you thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us we really appreciate it If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz, could I be a better instructional designer that has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, Aren't we cute? That's us. Um, but we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude. And also we've got some templates. And basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at bell vista studio so putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs so there's the human centered design stuff and then we've also got the business stuff so this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world so go check it out the link is in the description you can check out everything that is available for you thank you for choosing to learn with us continuously invest in your skills you will be rewarded as an instructional designer, share this stuff, share it with other people, because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.